Hello, everyone. This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. Not everything in life goes as planned. I talk about this quite often. My father said, You only remember the best and the worst. Mediocrity is forgotten. I've applied that in my life in many different areas. Growing up, I've always loved being around dogs. Having a dog on a hunting trip in many ways is the best part of the hunting trip. Duck hunting for me would not be the same without dogs. Neither would be upland bird hunting. Most of the joy and the appeal for me is seeing the dog work. For those who have dogs in your lifetime, you'll have one or two that really stand out. Every dog is unique. In my life, I've been blessed to have many of these types of dogs. One of the most special dogs I ever had was a small golden retriever that I picked up in Blackfoot, Idaho. It's always been hard for me to talk about dogs that I've lost. So in this instance, I wrote it down. And it's called My Father's Hands. The pain continued as wave after wave of anguish crashed upon my rocky soul, beating me down to a humble state. It is a moment in my life that defined me and instilled the desire to be more than I was, to become better than before, and to become more like my father. Less than an hour from the home my parents built when my father retired from the Navy lies a large high mountain reservoir. Mountains rise along its shores with sagebrush flats touching the water in bays. I spent a fair number of days chasing rainbows and cutthroats in those cold waters. I would usually drive past on the way home to some other fishing spots and often notice groups of diving ducks and a few puddlers in certain bays. Scouting is almost as much fun to me as hunting and fishing. Hours spent chasing and planning and creating the strategy for the next day are exhilarating. Fortune smiled upon me as a child and teen, allowing me to live in areas where I could hunt, fish, and trap. I had a passion for the outdoors and continue to this day to spend as many days as possible afield. Arriving home from the scouting trip, I spoke with my father and asked if he would like to join me and a couple close friends on a high mountain duck hunt. Normally, he would decline and say, I don't eat ducks, so I don't shoot ducks. However, on this day, he said he would like to see what it is that I think is so exhilarating about sitting on the side of a freezing lake while the sun rises, hoping that the wind will blow, but not too hard, and that it will rain, but only lightly. Duck hunters tend to live for days that others use as an excuse to stay in. Soon after, my father and I shared a duck blind on Strawberry Reservoir on his very first duck hunt over decoys. My three-year-old little girl, Cassiopeia Cornucopia, Cassie for short, was shaking with excitement. A hunting dog knows what it means when the shotguns, decoys, and camo get carried out to the truck. On this hunt, I had already scouted and dug in a blind to keep our profile a little lower and avoid being too obvious to the passing birds. It was cold and dark as we hiked a mile to the blind. Bobbing lights could be seen across the lake as other waterfowlers made the excited and slow walk to their blinds. Ducks by the hundreds, maybe thousands, were sounding off with whistles, quacks, hail calls, chuckles, and the occasional goose honk. In the dark, we could hear the explosions of sound and water as birds took flight as we neared the water's edge. We began setting out the decoy spread carefully so as not to tangle lines or make mistakes the duck would notice and force us to fix them during the best shooting of the morning. Puddle ducks would explode into the sky of twilight and divers would run across the surface to gain airspeed and the lift required for flight. All in all, it looked to be a very good morning. 
Decoy set, we piled into the blind and got guns and gear situated and awaited the day's shooting time to arrive. Ducks being spooked by others setting out decoys or hurrying to their blinds because of some unknown delay were winging around the lake, looking for a safe place to rest. Many chose our decoy spread, which helped build hope and higher expectations for the coming hunt. What seemed like an eternity was only minutes as we counted off the seconds. Minutes before legal shooting time, shots began to ring out as those who could wait no longer risked a ticket to volley steel at the passing waterfowl. Guns went off, steel went up, and birds came down. It was fun hunting with my father. The banter in the blind is always fun. And soon, the wind began to pick up. About the time I decided to call the hunt and pack up, a small flock of gadwall came winging into the decoys. My father stood to shoot and hit a drake hard. It was a dead bird flying, but it had its wings locked and glided 200 yards out into the lake. The wind had pushed the waves and whitecaps were beginning to form. I was hesitant to send Cassie out. A quick glance let me know she had marked the bird and was ready to go. I said her name, Cassie, and away she went. She pushed hard into the waves and made for the small black dot that was her target, a bobbing ball of feathers rising and falling with each wave. The nervousness in me built more and more as she struggled to reach the down duck. At one point she got confused and looked back. I was so tempted just to call her back and lose the bird, but I gave her the hand signal. With renewed confidence, she pushed into the depths with nothing more than the trust she gained from my directional gesture. A perfect confidence that I would never lie to her. Her swimming grew stronger and more determined as she saw the duck and cradled it in her mouth. Then she turned into the wind for the long swim back to shore. I hit the whistle hard. Three short, hard blasts. She couldn't hear me over the wind. I screamed inside and continued to sound the whistle. The duck partially obstructing her view was made worse by the ever-growing waves. I was regretting sending her on this bird with every heartbeat. She pushed hard for shore, and after what seemed an eternity, Cassie crawled slowly, exhausted, from the water. Then she walked triumphantly into the blind. But it was the wrong blind. She was over a quarter mile down the shore from where we sat. I was still blowing the whistle. She quickly left that blind and headed to the next one, which was half the distance in our direction. Now that she was closer, I could see Cassie arrive at the blind and inspect the occupants. Wrong again, and back down the bank she came. She was now within range of the whistle, and when she heard the three short blasts, she increased her speed, and I saw the happiness in her. I had been walking towards her without thinking the entire time. She ran up to me with the look of, I told you so. I reached to take the bird from her mouth, and she turned away. She walked around by my father and sat on heel. He reached down and received his drake gadwall from Cassie. He stood there smiling, his duck in his hands. Then he reached down and patted Cassie and told her what a great retrieve she had made. I looked up to see a hunter standing there I did not recognize. He smiled and said, I just wanted to see the dog that made that retrieve. That was truly amazing. What is her name? I replied, Cassie. He walked over and patted her saying, Cassie... That was one hell of a retrieve. He smiled up at me and said, Great dog, man. I thanked him, and he left to go back to his blind while we broke down the blind and pulled the decoys. Cassie slept the entire way home. I will never know what fully happened, but what I do know is that a few weeks later, while visiting my parents, my dog left the porch for some unknown reason. I was leaving with my wife and could only find our other pup, Chester, this was uncassie like and I immediately knew something was wrong. 
my father could tell I was upset and said he would grab his truck and we would go look for her. As we pulled onto the main road, the light shone on her lifeless body. I was heartbroken. I got out of the truck as my father said, I'm sorry, son. I picked up my little girl. Anger, rage, sadness, despair, all welled up inside, but all I could do was walk with her in my arms back towards the house. Pain and regret raged. Why did I let her stay outside? She never, ever went on the road. Why now? What happened? She was too young. Just coming into her prime, my sweet good friend Cassie was taken from this earth and I couldn't see through the tears. I heard my wife scream. I heard my mother crying. She brought me a blanket to wrap Cassie in. My father asked what I needed. And I asked if he could get me a pick and shovel so I could bury my little girl. Next thing I knew I was in the back of the property and my father was helping me dig a grave. I couldn't stop crying. My father helped me to finish laying Cassie to rest. He covered her with soil. He buried her with his bare hands. Those hands so hard and worn. The hands he used to pat the earth and then my shoulder. I noticed how gentle those hands could be. We said a few words over Cassie's grave. My father saying what a great dog and what a great retrieve she had made for him. I cried anew. I hate that the hardest and best lessons I have learned in life have come from the toughest times. My father's hands, the hands that held me as a child, that flew jets in the Navy for countless hours, that swatted my ass when I misbehaved, that picked me up when I stumbled, and that rubbed the head of a sweet little golden retriever that had braved the waves and the wind to bring him his bird. I will never forget the amazing dog I was blessed to call mine, a dog named Cassie, and what she taught me about my father's hands. Mm -hmm.